The Chosen Families Project, where everybody is welcome. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the newest episode of The Chosen Families Project. My name is Julian Ravello, and I completely understand. I know it's been a while. Time slipped away from me. This semester was probably one of my hardest semesters, per se, between analytical chemistry and physical chemistry and finals and all that type of stuff. Time just slipped away, and I couldn't invest my energy into the work. But now I am coming back with full force. And just to give you some updates, I have been interviewed by Voyage Michigan Magazine, and I was able to return the photographs of the two women from Kalamazoo, Michigan, back to their grandson. And just recently, after going back and forth, I've been able to send them back, and it's been a really rewarding experience. I've gotten so much support and love, and it, you know, makes the project worthwhile. And I am so happy. And they just sent me like some Christmas pictures and stuff like that. And it was truly awesome to see a couple generations brought back together. And just some background from what I talked with the grandson about through text and other communication. We were able to figure out that they were separated around 20 years ago when a storage unit was bought out of the grandparents' property. And it's been you know, lost ever since. And then I decided to make that move on eBay and the rest is history. So I am very, very grateful. Now to continue on to the current episode at hand, I still have been collecting tons of family photographs and documents to return over the past couple months of going to secondhand stores and things. The project has always been in the back of my mind. And I actually found a new store in my town that just opened up, and I was able to find some portraits with the names, and I decided to purchase them and see what I could do. So on the back of this couple's portrait that I found, it had a name of Anna Quiggle. And then with some quick research based on the location of Crawfordsville, Indiana, I was actually able to locate the couple. And in the photograph itself, it seats a man and a woman. Through my research, I was able to locate their names. Their full names are Anna K. Quiggle, and her husband, Elwood Horace Gray, and they are from Indiana, and here is their story. Anna Quiggle was born on May 19, 1872, in Adams County, Pennsylvania, to parents John Singleton Quiggle, born 1846 to 1912, and Sarah Ann Ruddesill, born 1848 to 1920. Her father was a farmer, and her family lived an early part of their life in York Springs, which is located in Adams County, Pennsylvania. Some of the family then moved to Indiana between 1880 to 1900, according to census records, and she had grown up with four sisters, Mary Elizabeth Lizzie Quiggle Haverstick, Emma Jean Quiggle Glover, Cora C. Quiggle Gabriel, and Sadie Alberta Quiggle Glover. Something to note, and I found this according to Diana Stoddard on the Find a Grave memorial page of the couple, that John, her father, was christened as a Quiggle, spelled Q. U-I-C-K-E-L, which is a German spelling in 1846, with his name changed to Quiggle, spelled Q-U-I-G-G-L, as his Americanized name. Now, if you know on the back of the photograph, there is an incorrect spelling, and it has one G. However, based on the location and other such details, I find that the description and the time period of the photograph fits. By December 8, 1893, Anna would marry her husband, Elwood Gray, in Fountain County, Indiana, both of them 21 years old. 
The couple would have one son the next year, named William Carl Gray, who went mostly by Carl in his life. The couple would live in Richland, Fountain County, Indiana, according to census records, from 1900 to 1930. Her parents and family had moved to Indiana, with both her parents passing away in Fountain County, Indiana, based on death records and find the grave memorial pages. Her father, John, passed away in 1912, and her mother, Sarah, in 1920. Both of her parents are buried in Union Christian Cemetery in Fountain County, Indiana. I was able to locate both a 1912 obituary for John and a 1920 obituary for Anna. On the headstone, I was able to find both John Quiggle and Sarah Quiggle with their birth and full death dates listed, and it also has the name spelt with two Gs, which is how I am going to be referring to them throughout the rest of the article. So for John Quiggle's obituary, it reads, Vetersburg Man Dies. John Quiggle, a well-known citizen of Vetersburg, died on last Friday morning at the home of his daughter, Miss Ed Haverstick, in Shawnee Township. He took sick on Wednesday evening, but his condition was not thought to be serious until Thursday, when he grew worse and then died. The attending physician pronounced his ailment as appendicitis. The remains were not taken to Vetersburg, but the funeral was held from Union Church Sunday morning. He is survived by a wife and five daughters. They are Miss Ed Hadverstick, Miss W. Gray, Miss Burrell Glover, Miss Elmer Glover, and Miss Cora Quiggle, which I and previously, as I listed before, had their both married names and their full names with their maiden names of Quiggle. I was also able to locate an obituary for Sarah Quiggle based on her Find a Grave Memorial and was the mother of Anna Quiggle. It reads, Miss John Quiggle. Miss John Quiggle, who died last Thursday at the home of her daughter, Miss F. W. F. Purnell in Vetersburg, was buried on Sunday. She was 70 years of age and her death was due to heart trouble. She was the mother of Miss W. F. Parnell, Miss W. E. Glover, Miss B. E. Glover, Miss Elmwood Gray, Edward Haverstick. I'm going to talk more about Anna's husband right after this. So here's a little bit about Elwood, which is Anna's husband before I continue. Elwood Horace Gray was born on January 7, 1872, to parents John Hudson Gray, born 1849 to 1928, and Charlotte A. Cohen Gray, 1848 to 1938. He grew up with his parents and brother, William Mills Gray, born 1877 to 1951, in Newton Fountain County, Indiana. Elwood likely named his son William Carl as a dedication to his brother William. Elwood as also has Pennsylvania roots, and according to some census records, his father was born in Pennsylvania and his mother was born in Indiana. His parents and Elwood himself worked as a farmer for most of his life. Elwood would pass away at the age of 64 in Danville, Vermilion County, Illinois, at the St. Elizabeth Hospital in Danville, while residing in Wingate, Montgomery County, Indiana, which was according to his death certificate record. His obituary from the Journal and Courier in Lafayette, Indiana, from January 25, 1936, reads, Elwood Gray dies. Farmer at Fowler. Newton, January 25. Elwood Gray, 64, prominent farmer, died at 5 o'clock this morning at St. Elizabeth Hospital, Danville, Illinois, where he had been a patient for two weeks. Death followed an illness of several months. Miss, Mr. Gray was born near here, January 7, 1872, a son, of jo- a son of John and Charlotte Cohen Gray. 
and in 1893 was married to Anna Quiggle. He was an elder of the Presbyterian Church here, in which the funeral will be held either Monday or Tuesday. Surviving are the widow, a son Carl at home, his mother, a brother, a brother, Mills Gray, and a sister, Miss Leela Parnell, all of this community. And I was also able to locate another obituary, which was according to his Find a Grave Memorial from January 30th, 1936, which reads, Elwood Gray, age 64, prominent farmer of, of near Newtown, died at 5 o'clock Saturday morning at the St. Elizabeth Hospital, Danville, Illinois, where he was a patient for two weeks. He had been ill for several months. Mr. Gray was born near Newton, January 7th, 1872, a son of John and Charlotte Cohen Gray. In December 1893, he married Miss Anna Quiggle. Surviving are the widow, one son Carl, at home, the mother, Miss Charlotte Gray, Miss one brother, Mills Gray, and one sister, Miss Leela Parnell, all of Newton. Funeral services were held at 2 o'clock Monday afternoon at the Presbyterian Church in Newtown, Reverend C.C. C. Ward of Crawfordsville officiating. Burial was made in the Newtown Cemetery. Now, his wife, Anna, would reside in Fountain County, Indiana, until her passing. Thanks to the new 1950 census records, which were published this year in April, it was able to see that she was residing in Richland, Fountain County, Indiana, with her son, Carl, and wife, Bernice, as a widow. She would pass away in Williamsport, Indiana, at Williamsport Hospital, after passing away from arteriosclerosis, cardiovascular disease, on August 12, 1957, at the age of 85, according to her death certificate. And I have to say, the Indiana death certificate records, which I believe the collection is from the early 1900s to 2017, is pretty accurate and also pretty informative. It gives when they were buried, their cause of death, all this really great information that sometimes you wouldn't know you know, especially for vital records and kind of building a family tree. And she had resided with her son, Carl, in Wingate, Indiana, at the time of her death. She would be buried on August 14, 1957, in Newtown, Newton Cemetery with her husband. And I also listed her death certificate down above. And I was also able to locate an obituary again in the Journal and Courier, which is where I've seen a lot of the articles for the family, from August 12th, 1957, and it reads, Miss Anna Gray, Newtown, Indiana. Miss Anna Gray, 85, of Newtown, died at 2 a.m. Monday in, in the community hospital, Williamsport, where she had been a patient since Thursday. She had been in failing health for se several years. Born near Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, she spent most of her life in this community. She was married in 1893 to Elwood Gray, who died in 1936. She was a member of the Presbyterian Church and surviving as a son, Carl, at home. And I was able to locate the couple's headstone in Newtown Cemetery, which is located in Newton County, Indiana. And it lists their death years and their birth years. Now their son, Carl, would work as a, also as a farmer in his community. The family seemed to be a line of farmers. And for this area, and you know, geographically, that makes sense. And he would pass away on April 25th, 1972, at St. Elizabeth Hospital in Lafayette, Indiana, at the age of 76. And he was also buried in Newtown Cemetery, with his wife Bernice buried alongside him. And she had passed on September 27th, 1972, at the age of 72. 
So they kind of passed away right around the same time. And I was able to locate death certificates for both of them. And I included the links in the blog. And I was also able to locate the headstone in the cemetery alongside their parents. And it lists their full names along with their birth years and death years. And it looks like Carl Gray was also a Freemason. I was able to locate his wife Bernice's obituary from the Journal Courier from January 28th, 1972, which reads, Miss Bernice Gray, Newtown. Miss Bernice Gray, 72, of Newtown, died at 5.30 p.m. Wednesday, apparently of a heart attack, in the home of her sisters, Miss Donabelle and Edith Witt. A life resident of Newtown, she graduated from Newtown High School in 1919 and married Carl Gray in 1937. He preceded her in death in 1971. A ruling elder in Newtown Presbyterian Church, Miss Gray recorded perfect Sunday school attendance for 52 years. She was a charter member of the Richland Township Homemakers Extension Club, past matron and treasurer of the Newtown Order of Eastern Star, and a member of Pythian Sisters and various other organizations. Surviving with the sisters is a brother, Sewellwit, of Newtown. Now, for the photograph dating, just to add more background to correctly determine that the photograph, since it lists not only not doesn't list Elwood, it spells Anna Quiggle wrong. So I decided to see what the date and the photograph and the information behind the photography studio. And it actually yielded some really cool information that I decided to include because it does add an interesting narrative to kind of piece together when the photograph was from. Now, for the photograph, a lot of this information is from a website called InGen Web, the InGen Web Project from Montgomery County, Indiana. And I cited the citation and everything, so all of the content that I'm about to tell you is directly from the webpage itself. Now, the photographer in this case of the photograph was taken by an, an A.D. Willis with his studio located in Crossfordsville, Indiana, and it has a little uh, camera on it, but, you know, Sometimes when researching the photographers, I really don't find anything. And this had a full history on A.D. Willis's family, which I thought was pretty cool, and also a full biography, which provides further context to the photograph. Photographer's full name was Abner Denman Willis. He was born on January 14, 1834, near the Alamo in Montgomery County, Indiana, on the farm which his father secured by a parchment deed from the national government. He was the son of Benjamin Will and Susanna Butt Willis, to who, lo, whose lot fell the task of rescuing a fertile farm. Abner Denman was apprenticed to a tinner in Crawfordsville until he was old enough to attend a school of higher learning, where he entered Barnabas Hobbs Quaker Academy at Bloomingdale, Indiana. After graduation there, he taught a district school for several years, and while teaching in Vermilion County, Indiana, in the winter of 1863 to 1864, he met Francis Ellen Comegys, a pupil, to whom he married on September 29, 1864, near Danville, Illinois. He operated a traveling photograph gallery, having been, become especially proficient in the making of daguerreotypes, which, from the history of photography, um, and this is going offhand, is one of the first types of photographs and at this time you know they were first being developed traditional photographs were being developed in the 1840s and they were really expensive 
And then as daguerreotypes and more vernacular photography gained popularity, daguerreotypes were the primary resource for that. In 1866, Abner moved to Crawfordsville, where he bought a photography gallery, which he operated for 12 consecutive years. In 1878, he moved to Harrisonville, Missouri, where he operated another photograph gallery for three years, after which he returned to Crawfordsville, where he remained in the photograph business until in 1898, when he died of pneumonia while on a business trip to Harrisonville, Missouri. He was the father of six children, of whom three died in infancy. Those who lived were Nathaniel Parker, Lucius Comiges, and Annabelle Ellen. For 30 years, A.D. Willis was one of the most widely known citizens of Montgomery County. As a photographer, in which profession he became best known, he earned a reputation for his conscientious work and the scrupulous care which he kept faith with his clients. He was buried on December 9, 1898, in Oak Hill Cemetery, the funeral being conducted by the Masonic Order. The photograph so, with all this information about A.D. Willis, we can conclude that the photograph had to have dated from 1866 to 1878, and from 1881 to 1898, which were the dates that matches when he operated a photography studio in Crawfordsville, Indiana. And this perfectly matches and complements the date of the couple's marriage in 1893, which makes perfect sense and adds more of a certain detail to confirm that this is who's in the photograph itself. Now, there was another detail when, upon my research of Abner D. Willis, that I found really interesting, and that it's his son, about his son who was murdered. And I decided to include that in here because I'm, you know, someone who's fascinated by true crime, and finding this part of hidden history kind of adds to the depth of it, and also plays into the fact of Abner Demon Willis's business. So, Nathaniel Parker Willis, which was his son, was the oldest son of Abner Denman Willis and Francis Ellen Comagese Willis, and who, and who was born at Crawfordsville, Indiana, on August 21st, 1868. The tragedy which occurred in a courtroom in Little Rock, Arkansas, July 29th, 1909, which resulted in the death of Nathaniel Parker Willis, a former resident of Greencastle, is recalled by a handsome marble shaft recently erected in Oak Hill Cemetery near Crawfordsville, Indiana. For some background, as a boy, Nathaniel had done much work in the photograph gallery, which was conducted by his father, and he left the government service to take charge of this business, in which he was singularly successful, both from a business and an artistic standpoint. He was a prominent exhibitor at these ex exhibitions, winning the first prize in Class B at the Exhibit of the Indiana Photographers Association in 1897. In 1898 and 1899, he again exhibited in the association and took second prize in the same class. He took third prize in the Milwaukee exhibit of 1899, and in 1897, he secured a medal from the Phot Photographers Association of America. So it's really cool because you get to see not only, you know, would Elwood and the photographer and his family cross paths, but he was, you know, this was a really good phot uh, photographer of the area, and him and his son kind of had this defining reputation. So while in Chicago, Nathaniel got married, and his wife had actually died a few weeks after the wedding ceremony. And this was of his first wife. Now, several years later, he again married Hattie Bell, and she was from Ladoga, but the union, according to this, was not a happy one at all. And shortly after his return to Indianapolis, his wife, 
Hattie had actually ran away and had taken their little girl, Mary Frances, with her. So the remainder of Nathaniel's life, and it was it was said to be devoted largely to attempts to see the child who was secreted in various parts of the country. The child was eventually taken to Arkansas, and in the courts of Little Rock, he obtained permission to visit his child at stated intervals. In 1909, he made his customary visit to Little Rock to see Mary, and was securing an order of the court to have her with him at his hotel for a period of two weeks, when the man W.Y. Ellis, whom his divorce, who was the fourth, uh, first husband of his wife, had shot him without warning while in the courtroom. In the subsequent trial, many letters that subject that the subject of this sketch had written to his daughter, Nathaniel. <clears throat> in the subsequent trial, many letters that Nathaniel wrote to his daughter were read, and they showed a, such a tender regard for the child that the spectators in the courtroom were moved to tears. For the last few years of his life, a desire to see his child marry was his ultimately his abiding passion. Now, here another depiction of Nathaniel reads, Nathaniel Parker Willis was also a peculiar man. He was born and raised in Crawfordsville. He was a handsome young man of pleasing personality. He graduated from Crawfordsville High School with honors. Like his father, he was a splendid photographer, but he discovered a cure for the whiskey habit which made him a fortune. He was twice married the first time to a young lady of his home city who died a few days after the marriage while they were on their honeymoon trip. After several years, he married again, this time to a Miss Bell of Ladoga. One child was born to them, Mary Frances Laura Willis. It was over this little one that he was killed. And some information, another depiction, which was actually about his headstone, reads, In Oak Hill Cemetery, one and a half miles northwest of Crawfordsville where the bodies of General Lee Wallace, Morris Tonson, and other distinguished Americans lie. The most unique and costly monument yet placed there was erected only a few weeks ago. The monument bears an excellent likeness of the victim, W.Y. Ellis, who shot and killed Willis in cold blood. It is at the grave of the late Nathaniel Parker Willis, who was slain at a court of justice in Little Rock on January, on July 27th, 1909 by W.Y. Ellis. It reads, Willis was shot and almost instantly killed by Ellis when Judge Guy Folk of the 2nd Division of the Polsaki Circuit Court had handed down a decision granting Willis permission to see his only child, Mary Frances Laura Willis, who is the stepdaughter of Ellis, murdered in a court of justice in Little Rock, Arkansas, where he had gone by permission of the court to see his own daughter, Mary Frances Laura Willis, whom he loved and from whom he had been separated by the faculties of the court. I hope you enjoyed the story of Anna Quiggle, her, her husband, Elwood Gray, and her family, and his family, as well as the story of the photographer. For the following year, my goals are to expand this project even further, and I want to include guests and talk about their family stories and other such things, and also kind of expand the work of the podcast and see where it goes. If you or your family are related to Anna Quiggle, or Elwood Gray, or their son William Carl Gray, please contact me at thechosenfamiliesproject at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and remember that you are loved, and that you are always welcome here. Take care.